It's three years, let's just remind ourselves, since the final transmission of Corrupt FM. They're now in Essex. MC Grinder works as a postman. DJ Beats works in a bowling alley. Steve's is still based, sure, in the Brentford Flats. Then Chabuddy G, their manager, let's not forget, he won't let you forget, no, he really won't, reveals that one of their tracks, Heart Monitor Rhythm, has found massive success in Japan thanks to its use in an obstacle course game show. They are, as they say repeatedly, big in Japan. This game show production company wants them to fly to Tokyo to record a couple of new tracks, sort out a record deal, finally give them the respect they deserve. So they go and fly there and soon they're experiencing some good old-fashioned culture shock as what they think is going to be a game-changing point in their career turns into a series of awkward embarrassments, pride-swallowing PR stunts and teary schoolyard fights. These guys, as you heard in the interview, can do these characters in their sleep, and I mean that very much in a good way, the ultimate compliment. They're so very, very, very good at spinning cringy gold out of any situation, be it you and I talking to them, or this ripe material, from the flight over to the surprising food on offer, as well as a potential love interest for Steve's. There's karaoke bars, it's all there. They hop, skip, and jump through the tourists in Tokyo checklist and find laughs here, there, and everywhere, really. There's a photo shoot with some absolutely extraordinary Sergeant Pepper outfits that really tickled me, for example. Knowing this film was shot, though, in late 2019, and knowing their incredible sense of timing, every last one of them, there's a sense that this has been honed and refined and tweaked in the edit, so it's made sure that it all ticks along just the right way. And frankly, as someone who had paid for, signed on the dotted line, couldn't wait to see Mount Fuji plans to visit Japan in 2020, there was some sincere pleasure in that too, in going back to pre-pandemic times and larking about in Akihabara. If you compare it to Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa, which I think is the most obvious comparison point, there is no let's make it a big genre movie but with our character's decision. This is an extended mega episode but in a different location with a different culture. Yes, it's playing off the Spinal Tap rock doc thing, but it's a traditional fame fable, a friendship tester, not a Chibuddy G diehard or Steve's on a plane. Well, actually, at one point, there is... Steve's on a plane bit but only for a tiny tiny moment and also not really. Perhaps I would have liked that. A disaster movie say but with MC Grinder in the role of The Rock in Skyscraper saving his friends and family from a burning building. But that's not true to the show I guess and of course far too expensive. This is an indie delight based on a loved similarly indie uh, BBC sitcom. This, frankly, is your comedy for the weekend. Here's your best source of laughs in a cinema. And if you're a fan, even a moderate fan of People Just Do Nothing, do take the time to go and see it, and you will be rewarded. I wonder, though, whether total newcomers will be a bit blindsided by it all. It does a decent job in bringing you up to speed as to what the deal is, how these guys behave. Moments in their past have casually been referred to here and there. It's just lots of hijinks, awkward silences, and nonsense. And... I just love how well observed these characters are and we don't see anywhere near enough of them and I'm just happy for them that they're finally getting that big screen release and being on the side of buses. It's not perfect, it's certainly not, here's the hoary old cliche that reviewers love to trot out, reinventing the wheel, but it's got these mannerisms and micro gags that I think will reward rewatches if you particularly know and love the characters. If you just pay enough attention, you'll notice there's so much more humour there than at first pass might seem to be. There's just a lot going on in every scene. 
I just really enjoyed myself. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed myself. People just do nothing, big in Japan, see it on the side of a bus, and then in the cinema. Yeah, so these micro gags you mentioned, this is, this is to me, this is a great source of the humour in this film, is that it's watching these characters be who they are and interact with one another. You know, there's this, um, this sequence in which Grindr goes out for um, a luxurious kaiseki meal with uh, Taka, who is one of the, the, the record company's A&R men, who is trying to remould them into what's essentially a novelty act during this, uh, this trip. And the the scene is you know the scene has these kind of showpiece gags throughout it, but also these throwaway behavioural details like Grinder using uh, a single chopstick as like a monopronged fork to try and eat his uh, sushi, and it's something you know there's no attention that is drawn towards this whatsoever, and you sense it's the kind of gag that would have just emerged naturally on set, and these are the really pleasing moments for me. And I mean I think the, the issue is when you're making. Uh, a feature-length adaptation of a sitcom, there's a realistic best possible outcome that it's ever going to get to because the fundamental thing with sitcoms is that the characters do not and will never change. So that's the sit from whence the com is derived. But in a feature, uh, characters have to change because that's the whole point of a feature-length narrative. We have to get somewhere. You know, we start out at a characters a certain way, and by the end of it, they've 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 grown and, and things have happened to them and impacted them, and and they've they've changed as a result. And that's a tension in every single sitcom adaptation that is pretty much unresolvable unless you have something like the Inbetweeners 2 for example where the cast have all age-wise this is obviously their last rodeo they can never play these characters again so you can do whatever you like with them you know they can the state of their friendship can be very different at the end of the film than it was at the start and yeah for me Inbetweeners 2 is the, the one of these recent sitcom adaptations that has absolutely sung best imaginable cap to that whole series because it was prepared to take the characters to a position from which they could never get back to, to, to the beginning uh, for an Inbetweeners 3. Um, so yeah, this is this is always going to be the issue with these films. I think uh, this film is extremely funny. Uh, I was br properly, breathlessly helpless with laughter at points um, because of the gags are so good, but also because of the behaviour. They're so kind of fully inhabited. Um, as, as well as this business with the chopstick, Chibadi G's rivalry with Taka, the ARR man, is entirely, and also understandably, one-sided. He's consumed with resentment for this guy uh, who just thinks that he's a chancer and an idiot. And I don't think, you know, you mentioned Spinal Tap. I don't think it's going too far to draw a comparison with Spinal Tap because it's, it's watching these guys bounce off one another that is the funniest thing about it. I, you know, the, the, the premise slightly rang alarm bells for me and that, you know, there's this risk of finding Japan a bit weird, which is quite old hat these days. Uh, but the comedy here is not about Japan being weird. It's about these guys struggling to, to, to fit in with it. There's this anxiety about social conventions that they don't understand, like removing shoes when you go indoors. Now, the way in which they agonise over this over the course of the film, and no one really kind of makes a point of saying this is going to be a running gag. It's hilarious. Uh, and there's also elements of Lost in Translation in there such as an emotionally charged karaoke scene, which works beautifully. It's very funny, but it's also very moving. So as I say, to me, realistic best case scenario for sitcom adaptations. It leaves it open for another People Just Do Nothing film, which I would very much like to see. Uh, but because it does, and because it kind of stays true to those sitcom conventions in the end, it perhaps doesn't feel like a complete meal in and of itself.